episode number 176. This is Greg Duncan and has become the trend recently, co-hosts. I am by myself. Uh, Paul was going to be on and in the last minute he had to cancel. Mickey said, oh, hell no. Angela said, Radio TFS who? <laughs> Martin is Martin. And Gordon, he's tentative. Gordon may still join us in the, uh, during this. We'll see. It's really late for him as well as it's late for our guests. So let's go right into introductions. Uh, returning guest, been more than three years since he's been on, is Talaruna Aurora, who is obsessed with high-quality working software, continuous delivery, and agile practices. He has experience managing technical programs, implementing digital strategy, and delivering quality at scale. Talaruna has worked on various industry-leading programs for Fortune 500 companies in the financial and energy sector. He's working for Avignon in the UK. Avignon helps clients and their customers realize results in the digital world through business technology solutions, cloud, and managed services that combine insight, innovation, and expertise in Microsoft technologies. Talun is a Microsoft most valued professional, seven years plus in Azure, Visual Studio, development technologies, and specializes in Team Foundation Server and Azure DevOps Server and Services. His score strengths are DevOps, Enterprise Architecture, Microservices, .NET, WPF, REST, MVC, SQL, and PowerShell. He was awarded MVP of the year by Microsoft in 2014 for going above and beyond in supporting the product teams and the community with his contributions. He's also an ALM Ranger and has contributed to key guidance and tooling projects focusing on Azure, TFS, Azure DevOps, and Visual Studio Extensibility. He is an active open source community contributor, speaker, and blogger. We'll have his uh, URL for his blog, as well as his, his titter, titter. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing so good there too. Twitter handle in the show notes, but it's Aurora underscore, it's A-R-O-R-A -A -A underscore T-A-R-U-N. And he blogs at visualstudiogeeks.com. Taruna, welcome to the show. Greg, that, that was a very impressive introduction. Uh, thank you for having me back. It's uh, it's a pleasure to, get, to return in three years' time. <laughs> yeah, that was that's, that's too long. I, I got to put I got to go through my guest notes and you know get people on quicker because I love having guests and our listeners love having guests. They sure as hell don't like listening to me blather on through the whole show. <sighs> okay, now let's see if I can pronounce our next guest's name. I had him in the pre-show pronounce it like 12 times, and, and I'm still going to screw it up. But Utkarsh is a passionate person about technology and has a keen interest in developing tools and extensions. Currently working for Avignon in the UK, he has experience in areas of Azure, DevOps, Agile, and architecture. Over the years, he has worked for many top companies as an architect, independent consultant, and DevOps coach in India, the U.S., Netherlands, and the U.K. He's been awarded as a Microsoft Most Value Professional five times. He also blogs at VisualStudioDeep.com, and you can find him on Twitter at O-N-L-Y-U-T-K-A-R-S-H. And don't write that down, guys. Just go to the blog posts. Utkash, Utkash, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Greg. Um, yeah, pretty excited to be here. This is my first time on Radio DFS, so um, yeah, very excited. And and how did we let that happen? That this is your first time. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, you had uh, such a wonderful guest. I guess yeah, I had to wait definitely. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy. I finally met it, of course. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you on. Man, we we talk about your blog posts right. all the time on the show. So it's a, it is about time that we had you on. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So the reason why you're both on today is you 
you've both collaborated on a new book. This is the <laughs> the title is really Azure DevOps Server 2019 Cookbook: Proven Recipes to Accelerate Your DevOps Journey with Azure DevOps Server 2019, formerly known as TFS, the second edition. So I, I, I have to ask how I'm trying to gather my thoughts here, but it's really hard. Um, how difficult was doing the book? Right. So doing the book as such is quite a commitment and it's a commitment because you're kind of, you're kind of expressing what you know, but at the same time, you don't really know the level where the readers at, and you don't want to meet them too early or too far. So trying to, you know, get it sort of narrate the story in a way where, where they could relate to it, but as, as well as learn from it, uh, is, is where a lot of the effort is spent. And, and I must say that Azure DevOps as a product has just go, been going through this tremendous churn over the past few years where features that, you know, were, were superstars back in 2015 have disappeared, have been replaced with <laughs> even bigger superstars and, you know, features that we thought would never make it have, have just got a new, whole new dimension. And, and the pace at which the product is changing makes it very, very difficult to write a book. Uh, you know, when you have a book and uh, uh, go to build conference and announce 10,000 new things and you come back and you're, you're just, you know, face palm. You're like, oh dear, I have to rewrite four chapters now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is a, it is a big commitment, but, but I must say that, uh, Kirsch and I have sort of, uh, you know, been, been working on, uh, Azure DevOps for a very long, long time. And, uh, you know, we kept a, kind of kept pushing each other to get it done, uh, but not just get it done, but get it done so that we kind of feel proud about it. And what was the last book you guys did for TFS? So the, the last book that I wrote for TFS was 2015. Um, uh, that was a solo effort. Um, but we've been collaborating on uh, blog posts a lot. Uh, and that's where the idea of writing a book together also came, came in from. Um, you know, if you, if you ask me between 2015 and 2019, why, why did it wait this long? Uh, I'm just going to blame it back on the product team because, uh, they, they kept <laughs> deciding about, about renames of the product. And, you know, I didn't want to write a book and get it published and, 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 and figure out that the, the day it hits the marketplace, the product's now called blah, right? And there we go. My years of effort wasted. And because of the branding change and because of the length of time, you basically had to write this book fresh, right? This isn't like just a, replace the screenshots and do a uh, find and replace. This was a pretty much a fresh effort. Yeah, spot on, spot on. I mean, initially when the conversation started um, at the tail end of 2017, it was going to be a, a refresh of 2015 with, you know, a few recipes uh, that would be uh, modified with new screenshots, but a lot of the, a lot of the content was going to remain the same. But as it turned out, uh, you know, the product was changing pretty quick uh, in areas that we hadn't, we hadn't written about in 2015. Uh, therefore, yeah, I mean, no recipe um, from 2015 has been carried forward. It's all a fresh rewrite. How long did it take you guys to write it? So this project had a long tail uh, where bulk of the work we finished in two months and rest of it is just us procrastinating on whether we should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, would you agree with Karsh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took two months to do it, but but the rest of the time was just, should we do it? Should we think about it a little bit more? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, even some of the chapters uh, where I was contributing as well, right? The Azure artifacts and uh, DevOps extensions, uh, even uh, small pieces like um, extensions and um, artifacts, they, they have changed so massively in the product than your earlier broke is that, yeah, we had to actually basically revisit and uh, some of the concepts had to be rewritten as well. So, yeah, it, it took, 
maybe just two months, but just um, yeah, researching around and um, uh, making it work, uh, making it um, uh, book worthy was was a was an effort. What was the hardest, like the hardest recipe? Because there's 70 recipes throughout the book that cover everything from uh, setting up the teams to all the way through creating extensions of the 70 recipes. What was the hardest? Yeah. So, so I would say that, uh, you know, I'll answer your question, but, but what I'll say first is <laughs> that the book has a slightly different um, way of, you know, coaching you. Uh, usually you buy books and that are, that are a lot about the product. They'll cover feature by feature the journey of teaching you the product. Uh, but you know, over the years, I myself read technical books and and you know watch technical courses, and I find that the product has become very intuitive. So you don't really need a book that goes feature by feature. Whereas what you need is a book that captures a problem and then talks about an approach to solve it, and then explains that approach. So you kind of understand the thinking. Uh, as well as the way of uh, implementing the product. And and this is how we've written the book. So the, the concept of recipes in this cookbook is not about, you know, cooking lamb or, or, or burgers, but it's very much focused on uh, solving a problem um, and, and the recipe for solving that problem. And, and that's explained. So coming to your question, Greg, you know, of the 70 recipes, which one is the most difficult? Um, well, I would say we, uh, well, personally, I spend a lot of my time in the source control chapter, um, it's purely because a lot of our customers that have been using TFS as a product uh, have transitioned from using TFS version control, TFVC, mm-hmm. to Git. But, you know, customers carry a legacy when they make that tra- transition. They want to take all the history and, you know, their ex- existing structure, all the branches, which, you know, I understand you don't want to let your data, leave your data behind. But by carrying that legacy, you make the the churn to the new very, very hard. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to kind of break that chapter in a way where we make it simple for, for our customers to make the call of migrating, but modernizing at the same time. And then, you know, talking a lot about the features of Git, pull requests, Git forking, um, Git hooks, so that they can, you know, really see the art if possible and, and be happy to give up the structure mm. of, of the code base they had in TFVC. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say that's my personal favorite chapter. Um, which which one's yours, Utkarsh? Yeah, I would say, I mean, extensions. I mean, I think, yeah, I've been uh, involved with extensions from so long that, uh, yeah, I've written extensions almost like uh, every two months, at least to an extension. I mean, not published to marketplace, but at least for a personal sake. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think extension is such an easy skill. I guess the marketplace has taken uh, so, I mean, has seen so much growth that, uh, um, but I think everyone whom I interacted with feels that writing extension is hard. Uh, some of it is due to definitely uh, due to um, changes in the SDK and the way you write extensions, but uh, product team has made it really simple to start writing extensions and publishing it. And then even um, with a lot of um, marketplace extensions, uh, there is an easy way to uh, implement pure DevOps on it as well, CI, CD, um, to publish your extensions. So I think... Uh, when I decided to put extensions chapter, uh, yeah, the key thing for me to concentrate was um, concentrate on how easy it is to write extensions um, from simple build uh, pipeline, uh, release pipeline tasks to even UI and um, uh, enhancing the um, user interface within the whole product itself. So, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, just I think uh, covering all those um, uh, different ways you can integrate uh, your um, custom contributions with the product um, and showcasing that uh, uh, into different recipes, uh, I felt, um, yeah, it, it took a bit uh, time for me to actually 
actually visualize how the chapter will look and then write about it so i i want to i want to build on that a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, i would also say that extensibility is a, is a great part of the product we really had a uh, an extensibility story or have had an extensibility story and a vibrant ecosystem right from the outset but 2015 you know was was the year when microsoft um started to lay the foundation of you know more open source therefore more extensibility within the product and we saw this huge revolution from you know uh platform specific sdks to open sdks um and you know i truly feel that 2019 is the year when it's fully landed at its best uh, and you can see the marketplace is so vibrant it's a multi million developer ecosystem now so if you are not thinking about writing extensions you should if you can create extensions that appeal to that developer ecosystem boy you could be creating a business out of it yeah i love the marketplace and the things that you can find there i go there like uh, you know once every couple of weeks just to find out what's i really wish they had an rss feed so i could yeah. keep track of the things but um yeah some of the stuff that that's out there in the marketplace is just amazing Yeah and and also what we have tried to do is in each of the chapters um you know in key recipes there's a more section which covers some of the marketplace extensions which aren't really part of the mm-hmm. product but you know introduce new features that would be interesting to extend what you learn in that recipe so we we've touched upon you know if if not uh 20 30 i think at least 30 40 uh, extensions from the marketplace within the chapters yep nice and i have to applaud you guys on that that last recipe in the azure devops extension chapter chapter 8 it's the, you talk about creating the extension and then you go and wrap it all up in how to publish that extension to the marketplace how to create the build pipeline the release pipeline publishing it to the vs marketplace uh that's a nice bow on that yeah yeah i mean i think as as i just mentioned right i mean i think that that's one piece i guess uh, um yeah i think some of it is definitely uh, thanks to jesse when he started his extension but i guess um, uh, that piece uh, i think everyone thinks that it's it's really hard uh, setting up the um, uh, ci cd pipeline for extensions and um, we wanted to uh, make sure that we cover that in the recipe and show how we how easy it is um, uh, to even uh, implement pure devops on your extensions as well um, with uh, azure devops it's um it's it's interesting to go to user group meetups and you know talk to fellow developers and a lot of the times they they will talk to you about extensibility and talk about an extension they're building yep. you know using azure devops uh, server or services and yet they will create the extension manually as in you know and then try and upload it manually to the marketplace and you're like you know why are you doing that you have a product that supports that so uh you should yeah Well so so yeah the, the that that recipe should absolutely appeal to that audience I hope and it would be kind of uh, oxymoronic to create an Azure DevOps extension and not be able to you know manage it and publish it with Azure DevOps I Yeah, very true. Very true. Actually, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of. Uh, uh, I mean, I think that thanks to product team for that. I mean, uh, who 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 actually allows us to use pipelines to publish extension, which internally again go come back and integrate with the product. So, uh, it's it's very nice um, integration, and um, uh, really really glad uh, that uh, we, we. I mean, the pipeline supports um, um, setting up CI/CD for extensions. And before we go off of extensions, I want to make sure. Uh, I share this with the listeners. We've actually got we'll have two posts 
in the show notes that talk about creating extensions. One is from uh, David Hathaway, and the other was from Matisse Hack. And uh, David writes, streaming, streamlining Azure DevOps extension development. And Matisse is bootstrapping your Azure DevOps extension with Yeoman. So those two posts together with the book, uh, you guys will be, you should all be able to rock and roll your extension. Yeah. All right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think I just wanted to mention, I mean, I did go through those blog posts as well. I think, uh, um, the, the, yeah, I mean, uh, as you can see, uh, um, I mean, by reading that post, uh, de- development, uh, the product team has actually started um, um, very easy to for you to write extensions and even debug locally. Uh, you yeah. no longer need to actually um, um, basically publish and see what the outcome, rather you can debug your extensions locally. And uh, the whole uh, uh, development lifecycle um, has been made uh, really easy by the product team um, every day now. So um, yeah, I mean, um, nobody is going to stop you uh, writing yeah. extensions. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, you also need to to pinch a little bit on why they're doing it. And the reason is, if you look at the product now, it's not really a monolith like it was years back. <laughs> it's been broken down into services, and so a lot of the features that are being built within the product are being shipped as extensions themselves, uh, which I think is a great example of dogfooding their product, dogfooding mm-hmm. their own extensibility. And so by by creating and using the same framework, they're making it easier for external developers to consume the same framework. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, when I, I created an extension, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I used the original Yeoman framework, and that, that made it pretty easy. Now, it's even the local debugging, I, I think, just blows my mind. I just think that is cool as heck. All right, enough of the extensions for now. Um one thing, I, as you guys talk about the the recipes, I, I really like again how you break it down. You know, each recipe, or at least all of most of them, have a getting ready section, how to do it, how it works, and there's more. You know, additional information about that. I, I really dig how the breaking that stuff down, which I guess wasn't really a question; it was more of a statement. But anyway. Yeah, I think. That- the turn uh, probably uh, yeah you can add some some context to that I guess yeah I think uh, if you've been um, um, covering that kind of um, uh, structure from your first book as well right so I think um, yeah so uh, thanks for bringing it up with Kirsch and, and Greg the the structure you know we kind of researched it with 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 developers as well and you know readers and like you really have to introduce the problem and then kind of get ready with the prerequisites. If you try and bake in the prerequisites as you're going along solving the problem, people find it hard to follow, right? Um, and just by giving that away and abstracting that at the level where they know, yeah, this is stuff I need to do, and this is stuff that kind of explains what what I'm having to do, it just makes it easier. So, uh, yeah, we've we've had great success with this format in the previous book, and therefore, you know, we've applied more and more of it uh, in, into the new book. Uh, but I must say that the... The, the chapter um, that we probably spend a lot of time thinking uh, about was the continuous testing chapter because you know testing as a as a as an area has drastically changed from uh, 2015 uh, into 2019. 2015 was a lot about the Microsoft Test Manager, you know, the <laughs> WPF client <laughs> yeah. that, that people uh, you know kind of uh, loved for a little bit, and then when they really started using it, they got confused with the Lab Sensor, and you know it was. Um, so with the, with the announcements in the products um, coming through in 2019 about the deprecation of the Visual Studio load test, 
um, you know, that the Microsoft Test Manager is, is no more going to be released. Um, we really had to dig and see what testing meant in the new uh, product. Um, and if you look at the chapter, you see it focuses very less on manual testing now and, and focuses more on test automation and how, um, you know, you could really bring in the beauty of testing right into your pipelines and, and push it left uh, so, so developers take more ownership on it. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, we talk about more open source frameworks like SpecFlow, um, you know, like Selenium, SpecFlow, and, you know, how do you really uh, use them to the best of your ability, uh, best of their ability. But at the same time, we talk about testing by pushing it right. You know, you don't really have to always test um, in unit tests. You should really be looking at testing in production uh, with the help of feature flags and also uh, you know, that chap- chapter on testing kind of, you look at it and you're like, what, it, what in this chapter is really about testing? Let me do something first here. Let me read the actual chapters to our listeners so they can get an idea what's in here. Um, and listeners, you know, uh, again, just go, we'll have the links to the Amazon.com for UK and US. Go in there and look at the table of contents and you'll get blown away. Uh, chapter one, planning and tracking work. Chapter two, source control management. Chapter three, build and release agents. Chapter four, continuous integration and build automation. Chapter five, continuous testing, what we were just talking about. Chapter six, continuous deployment. Chapter seven, Azure artifacts and dependency management. Um, And that covers like the whole gambit from NuGet to Visual Studio to NPM. uh, And I love the last recipe, scanning for vulnerabilities in your package using white source. Uh, That, so it goes from adds the security to the DevOps, DevSecOps. And then the last chapter, chapter eight, is Azure DevOps extensions. And this book is not small. It's at least, the the index is on page 433. So it, it is not a, you know, small little book. Um, so what did I want to talk about? Oh, I like the other thing too. Where is, you had a, you had the Sonar Cube section in here as well. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, it's um, it's in the continuous integration and build automation chapter. Uh, it's um, I think if I'm not wrong, it's there it is. the last recipes in that chapter. Yeah, yeah. Solar Cube is great. I mean, it's free. It's free. Yeah, it's and free. if you're going since this is the Azure DevOps server. Uh, it makes it even easier. You, you spin up an on-prem uh, Sonar Cube and then you integrate it in. Uh, I've done that here, and it's great. Some of the information you can get from Sonar Cube, including the new version uh, 7.8, there's they're incorporating uh, more security vulnerability testing items in it. So. Uh, you know, it'll cost you a little bit of time, but that's about it. And I also love that you guys did uh, build pipeline for database projects. So that's yeah, another yeah, thing. yeah. So you know, we, we've tried to touch on areas which are which are ignored. So uh, like this this book could be picked up by someone who's just starting with DevOps, right? And and mm-hmm. yeah, they would want to know how how we can plan and uh, you know how do I structure my Kanban board and you know how do I create a, a a widget in a dashboard and kind of pipe it up to a query, but People that are already using DevOps and want to take it to the next level with bringing technical debt into the picture, you know, automating the database deployments, doing builds against that. Um, so we've tried to include recipes that would capture all different levels. And 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 the the recipe on database, you know, I, I think it's probably not the first thing you would do when you start with DevOps, but it is certainly the thing that you'd get to once you understand DevOps. Um, and whether you're doing on-premise database deployments or you're starting to do database deployments in the cloud, the same techniques can be leveraged for both. What? Which one of the chapters did you hate? 
It's kind of a weird question, I know, but... Uh, but personally, I, I think it was a love and hate relationship with the release chapter, uh, just because it, you know, the, the love was because the product's improving massively in that space, uh, and the hate was because it was improving so quickly that we had to rewrite the recipes all the time. Um, so, so, so that's my gripe about that chapter. With Kashu, <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I mean, people would be surprised, but I would still say it's such a DevOps extensions because uh, uh, it's, it's again uh, love because I, I do write, uh, I do love writing extensions, but uh, some of the extensions uh, SDKs are are um, <laughs> being changed again. So uh, from the product team, so I think uh, um, although both the SDKs are still supported by the product, but uh, just that, uh, uh, yeah, some of them is uh, moving towards React-based development. So uh, probably, yeah. There is a new thing to learn for me as well now. So cool. Uh, yeah, the continuous deployments. I love that you integrated the Azure Key Vault. That's something I want to. I probably buy this book just for that one recipe because it's something that we're looking at doing too. Cool. Yeah, yeah Greg. Uh, I, I think you've touched on a great point there because you know I, I work in enterprise in the financial and trading sector, and what I see is policies that talk about 32 character. Um, passwords for service accounts and, you know, eight to 12 password characters for, for user accounts. And you're like, wow, a password for 32 characters, you know, it's probably going to take me 10 minutes to type it if I have to ever use it. Uh, <laughs> but but then, you know, these service accounts and these privileged accounts are running websites. And so the information for these are kept in uh, source control or, or in shared locations or are readily available to people that are doing the deployments. And so for ease, they will just put it in emails and, and then you question what's the point of all the security <laughs> if all you're ever going to do is secure, uh, not securely store the passwords. Um, and, and that's why we kind of thought writing this recipe would ignite that conversation with customers to say, look, you've got Azure yeah. Key Vaults. Uh, I know it's, it's in a different island, but it nicely integrates back with Azure DevOps server and right into your pipeline. So if you store your passwords there, no one ever needs to see those passwords, which also allows this nice segregation between your ops and your devs where using the uh, libraries, um, you know, you could define variable groups where these settings could be nicely placed. And then you could just simply import them in your release pipelines or build pipelines without having to hand exchange passwords and settings between devs and ops ever. Right. And, and if you really want to take it to the next level, Greg, um, then you have the option of, um, you know, recycling the keys as well with Azure Key Vaults, um, you know, auto-generating them and then pushing them through pipelines. And, you know, Buck uh, himself has uh, talked about this in one of the Microsoft uh, DevOps tra transition uh, transformation where, you know, they went from being an organization themselves that was doing a lot of what we talked about uh, to being an organization that's constantly challenging itself on how secure they are by trying to break in and find vulnerabilities. And as part of that transformation, they've introduced key vaults, um, you, you know, constant key change um, and, and pushing all of that by drawing the se segregation between devs and ops. Yeah, and I think uh, if you want to know how to rotate the secrets, and uh, I guess Tarun has bo uh, blogged about it as well in our blog. Um, yeah, I think a couple of months ago, I believe. But um, yeah, yeah, I think Tarun has, uh, uh, in very detail, uh, has covered how to do that um, for anyone who wants to do it. Yeah, and, and let me let me just uh, extend that a little bit and say Utkarsh has also blogged about um, uh, you know similar concept in security. Um, you know, you, you would create uh, ARM templates for deployments within Azure, um, but it's it's so easy to um, to not follow the best practices and drift away by, 
you know, accidentally turning off, um, you know, accidentally turning on anonymous, for example, um, for authentication on your blob stores as you create the uh, infrastructure as code definition using ARM. Um, but you could create pipelines that can use the AZ SDK framework uh, to go through your ARM templates, which you can version in Git, um, and then give you feedback on whether the, the ARM template is following the best practices or not. AZ. I, I like that. I, I think that one is actually going to win. I've been calling it AZDO, and that's easier to say Azure DevOps than it is AZDO. AZ. I like AZ, that. Yeah. I, I've, heard, uh, I've heard many different variations, which, which I wouldn't say on the show, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of blog posts, um, why don't we, um, Utkarsh, why don't you talk about, you did two recent posts. Right. Yeah. So I think, uh, um, yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago I wrote, uh, I mean, this is a problem we had in our, our um, at our customer actually, where uh, I think some of the users are new to Git as well. And I think uh, um, it, it was uh, the pipeline started failing um, um, uh, without without any any uh, anyone noticing it. I guess uh, only after a couple of um, like failures, um, everyone started uh, complaining about pipeline failures. But eventually, what it turned out to be was um, Git being uh, um, uh, uh, being a case sensitive. Um, um, uh, written for Linux and it was it is case sensitive so it, it allowed uh, multiple um, um, feature branches with just the difference in cases uh, but Windows uh, this this particular build agent was running in Windows and uh, that uh, uh, is is case insensitive so um, th that caused a lot of build failures but uh, what it uh, yeah, we were expecting it to be a, like a huge change uh, to yeah. go to develop a ma machine fixes the feature branches and all but eventually um, uh, there is a nice uh, little um, um, tweak within the uh, product itself that you can create um, from a commit you can create a branches a feature branches so it was just click 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 and then uh, move all the um, uh, conflicting branches uh, uh, to a correct location and rename them along the way and um, yeah well, so there was no commit from developers there was uh, no one um, who had to act actually act on it apart from myself to fix everyone's problem and then uh, I just found it to be like a very super easy uh, to uh, solve that within the product uh, without um, uh, depending on anyone else. So that blog post was on that. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Before we move off of that, I, I think yep. the best part of the blog post is the last section. Preventing yeah, it from ever hearing. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I think yes. That that feature is somewhat, uh, in my view, is hidden. Um, that you need to go to project settings and repositories and and then click on options to actually go figure out. And I think uh, in, in, at least uh, until I figured it out, I I was not aware that it is it is existing. Uh, but uh, th there is an option. I mean, in my blog post, there is a screenshot as well and how to traverse to that particular option. But uh, uh, there is an option checkbox now to actually uh, just by clicking it on, you can prevent so that um, no one can actually um, um, have a feature branch which are, which are just different in casing. So, um, I mean, you can actually prevent that problem altogether just by enabling uh, one simple flag within the, in the Azure DevOps product. Yeah. Which reminds me, I'm going to have to go look at all my our Git repos and make sure that that's on. We're 100% Windows shop. So, <laughs> <I> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's a, that's a great um, uh, um, uh, boolean flag um, uh, which product team has provided. I guess it, anyone who is developing on Windows um, um, probably should check that. And uh, there are other uh, additional flags as well on uh, covering the path um, path lengths and those kind of stuff as well, uh, right? So uh, it's it's a very useful uh, functionality which is um, um, just I, in my view is hidden uh, with uh, behind some multiple clicks there. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean uh, that. that post was on that so uh, i i think recently i uh, also blogged about uh, i mean the title of that blog post i thought uh, um, um, i i will phrase it as perfecting continuous delivery of nuget packages for azure artifacts um, this i think uh, it's again again based on my learnings uh, uh, there are like enough posts now on how to do ci cd we have covered that in our book as mm-hmm. well um, but I think uh, once uh, setting up C- once you set up CI/CD for your NuGet packages, there are other questions as well from teams on what branching strategy should I use and uh, what is the developer workflow? Uh, where should developers commit? Whether they should commit it back to the master or should they commit in feature? How how are they going to consume NuGet packages? Um, versioning strategies and how to set up build pipeline. So these are the, some of the questions which I used to regularly get from um, um, uh, from people I work with. So I thought um, I will cover all of them and uh, also draw uh, some sequence diagrams and some um, 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 some pictorial representation of all the things uh, which you need to consider when setting up CI/CD. This is um, I, I feel in my view is uh, um, uh, next chapter, next next uh, article which you should read uh, once you set up your CI/CD for your NuGet packages. And I like how you do the versioning strategies, the developer workflow. Um, there's a lot of things we use a lot of Azure artifacts here in my day job and uh, you know that the dependency management and the versioning and how to get the preview features in the way you cover that here is great I love that very prescriptive yeah yeah absolutely I mean I I wanted to document uh, it for my, myself as well so that I can yeah. I can refer <laughs> what has been <laughs> it's uh, it's true though because uh, you know we we work in consulting a lot of the time and when we're making recommendations to the customer, a lot of the time it's easier to just point them to your blog post and say, yeah, this, is, this, this is what we want to do. <laughs> and then they say, well, why should we hire you if we could just read your blog? <laughs> and 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 that's that's a question we've been asked before. Is, hey, since you've made everything public, right? What's, what's your value and worth now? But, but that's what we love to do, right? Like if we yeah. just kept that to ourselves and you know locked it down in a document in SharePoint somewhere, and I did say the SharePoint word, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is uh is that you know it's not information shared so it's um it's information hidden so I I think the whole thing about open source and sharing information to help each other improve and help the product improve is uh is something we've embraced. I just had a thought and I lost it. I hate when that happens. Stupid brain. Um, I do want to start wrapping up a little bit. Uh, before I do though, is there anything I should have asked you guys or we should have covered but we haven't or we didn't? Uh, th- there's, um, there's uh, Greg, one thing that I wanted to also mention that we've covered in the book, uh, w- which I think is, uh, is something that people would find interesting. You know, a lot of the, the viewers, uh, sorry, a lot of the listeners of the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> just correcting myself there, um, have, uh, you know, run their own blogs. And I see people are using, um, are spending a lot of time maintaining the frameworks uh, of their blogging platforms, which is not where the value is. The value is in writing the post, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if managing and maintaining uh, the blog 
blog framework takes so much of your time, then how much of time are you really left with with writing blog posts? And so this uh, this recipe that we have in the continuous deployment chapter, which is deploying a static website on Azure storage, um, is something that I think people would find interesting where you could be using the Azure DevOps pipelines uh, to, to kind of publish static websites. Now, there's nothing stopping you from creating a static website of type block framework and then store your uh, blog posts as markdown in a Git repository um, and then kind of publish them uh, into the static website. The benefit of doing that is you could bring in the whole concept of review, uh, planning them using agile workflows um, at the same time, you know, you have a, an easier way of amending them. You have the history. You could document them, but not publish them, you know, which kind of allows you to manage your blog as, as if you're managing infrastructure as code effectively. Um, so, so I, you know, we've, we've just captured the idea a little bit here. But I think uh, people that, that manage and run blogs uh, would, would definitely want to dig into this a little bit more and see how and whether it's worth applying it back to their own frameworks. Nice. Lukash? Yeah, no, I think I think I I I mean I, I don't have anything else to cover, Greg. So I guess yeah, from my side, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Um, you're done. Yeah, you're done. You're through. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, there's a couple things I wanted to cover. A um, couple news items. One that I found. Uh, could be pretty interesting, especially for uh, uh, those companies that have very locked down environments. It's there's a new IP firewall rules for the Azure DevOps services. Yep. Uh, I'll have the links in the, in the show notes, but basically, yeah, if you've got hard rules about what you know uh, IP ranges can get out or what you know that you've basically exposed through your firewall, you need to look at this blog post. Uh, what's nice is there's actually I think they reference it here. There is a DevOps IP check page. There's actually a web page that you can go to that will um, kind of make sure that your IP firewall restrictions are good or not. So, and that's a simple click, and that'll be in the post. Uh, the other so, one, go ahead. So, sorry, Greg, I was just going to uh. say that I've worked with a lot of customers that have in the financial sector policies. Uh-huh on firewalls that would limit the traffic out and in on, on, on you know, external IP addresses. Uh, some are more lenient where, you know, they would expose it, any web traffic through the web proxy. So as long as you have a web proxy exception, you're good. Uh, but, you know, for customers that are using um, Azure DevOps along with uh, um, uh, Azure Active Directory Premium, where you have the option of locking down Azure DevOps to specific people within specific subnets, uh, you know, they should definitely be referring to this because while you could change the IP addresses, you would have to go into AAD and further change uh, the, the ranges which are allowed in your subnets or not. So, um, yeah, just wanted to mention that. Good. That's a great point. Uh, the other news article I wanted to mention is that yeah, we, were, we were just talking about Azure DevOps server. Well, May 21st, they've already updated it. It's Azure DevOps server 2019. Uh, 0.1 is out. A lot of bug fixes and roll-up security patches. So again, if you've already installed Azure DevOps server, make sure you keep it up to date. Um, there's information here in the post about release notes and where to download it and, and such. And I think that's the show. What do you guys think? Uh, well, I, I would say when uh, the, when we were kind of done with the book, I, I wrote a bug saying, but, you know, we're kind of done. Should we publish it or do you have a, an update coming up with new features that we should think about? And he said to me, 
don't worry update one is a is a security and patch and you know like just go ahead and publish your book you're fine so um yeah you you kind of made the announcement about the uh point one but it's um it's just bug fixes yeah harsh any last any final words no i think yeah again again uh, i mean i think most of the stuff we had to talk about we had discovered and um yeah i mean uh, i really enjoyed um, working with tarun on the book um yeah, really learned a lot i mean i never um imagined that it will take that much effort and time to uh, think and uh, uh, i mean write a book uh, blogging is easy uh, writing a book uh, <laughs> I, i i figured out that, that as well so uh, yeah it, it was good good uh, um, learning from my side yeah And, and and if if you're thinking of writing a book so that you could retire and sip margaritas on the beach <laughs> then, then you may want to reconsider that right <laughs> you say any guys have made like $27 off your book so far or? <laughs> enough to pay for coffee greg yeah. <laughs> unless we can get each one of the listeners to buy a copy and give us a five star rating on amazon <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, I'll have links to all the book, the posts, in the show notes. Um, send us an email. Let us know what you think. RadioTFS at Outlook.com. Rod, uh, you know, longtime listener who's, who's uh, we've talked about before, reached out to us. And he was looking, he was giving me a hard time because RadioTFS isn't on Spotify yet. Trying to, Rod. I'm really trying to get it, make it happen. But uh, And he had to make me laugh because there, he had... Uh, to pry his Windows phone from his cold dead fingers and replace it with a Android phone, and so I reached out to him and says, "Well, when you find a good podcast app for Android, let me know because I have to retire my Windows phone here soon." <sighs> Makes me sad. Um, where was I? Oh, we're talking about how to reach out to us. Yeah, RadioTFS at Outlook.com on Twitter at RadioTFS. We're on Facebook as well, slash RadioTFS, and it's a voicemail. Uh, the number is going to be in the show notes, so don't write it down. But I have to say it anyway. It's one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. Tarun and Karsh, thank you again very much for coming on, guys. Thank you, Greg. Uh, it was a pleasure being with you here on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Greg. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Radio TFS. Mm-hmm.